Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. End of year activities, like yeah. wrapping things up before the holidays. What is one activity today that you, you guys did in contribution to the end of year activities, I guess? Today, in, in particular, uh, reviewing product strategies with our with our new product vice president. Uh, we did a presentation to directors earlier this week, and today, uh, just kind of getting him up to speed since he was out of town, and overall, just trying to drive some alignment before we do kind of a we're going to do a product week this year. It's actually going to be pretty cool since everybody's remote. We're bringing all the product team together for the first time this nice. year on site in office, um, and we're going to do a product week, and it's going to be sweet. Um, but ahead of that, there's a you know pretty big ask to just say like, hey everybody, let's get some let's get some perspective down on how we're looking at 2022, and so that's kind of really where we started this week. Curious if you guys. So what does that? What does the perspective look like? Is this a culmination of uh, uh, research and uh, you know state of the state? Like how does that manifest? Yeah, state of the union for product, I guess. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was going to say so ours. Um, over the last, I don't know, month or two, I'd set for our different PMs inside of our group, different tasks, you know, whether it was researching different areas of opportunity, working with research and analytics. And together, we just spent a lot of time doing, you know, virtual whiteboard sessions and really talking about where we wanted to um, go with the strategy. So this past week was really the culmination of me haphazardly turning that into a, a deck uh, over the course of two days and then getting that into a position to to share out more broadly. So it was really a month, month, month and a half worth of work that got turned into the final product. I love the bottom up approach, Lou. How does that manifest like in terms of the, the larger company objective strategy vision? Cause I, I think with startups, it's less structure. It might not. Yeah. It's a different approach, right? You have smaller teams. Um, you typically the vision and missions are at the highest level and you're all kind of executing around that. So it's a little different approach from the bottom up. Like how, how did you frame what research to go after? How did you frame this strategy deck in, in relation to that? Well, I think that the key thing for everybody to know, and you guys can probably agree with this, right? Every company has a different driver at a different time in your company strategy that you're trying to achieve, right? Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes mm-hmm. it might be user growth. Sometimes it might be a fundraising round. We just about anything that you're trying to achieve. And so you Work backwards from that. In our case this year, it was really about hitting some financial metrics going into 2022. So we started with those metrics. And then I basically put them out to the team and said, this is what we need to achieve next year. I need to know how we're going to do it. And I need everybody to take a look at your team, ask yourself if you're in the right problem space, and come back with a list of focus areas. And together, just I facilitated that a lot through sessions. And ultimately, we all kind of ended on the same core pillars. And as a leader, I think it's your objective to guide that. You may have a vision already in your mind, Mm. but you want to let that show up organically so that everybody's bought in. And I think that was was kind of what we did. Yeah. Yeah, So Zach, what do you... Yeah. I'm curious, like, have you gone through a similar exercise with your team or what does that look like in startup land? It's interesting you, you mentioned the difference between startup and larger company because that's that's what I was thinking about is there is less structure to it. I think one of the interesting things about where we're at, uh, at, at Coupon Follow is that we we don't have historically like um, 
OKRs or, you know, there are certain goal metrics that we've set in, in previous quarters and years, um, but it's been a, a lot more fluid and less structured. And so we've grown the team a decent amount, you know, probably 40% overall company and team growth this year. Um, so we have multiple new teams that we're supporting, um, which is not much, I think, compared to like a 700 person company, but compared to where we're at, we are at, we need a little bit more means of uh, facilitating lines of communication and understanding what it is we're trying to accomplish as a company and then how that distills to the different teams. And so a big part of what I've been focused on is working with our leadership team to understand what are the quantitative and qualitative things we're striving for as a company so that my teams can then work against that. And so I think a similar approach of working backwards, but there's some more infrastructure that we we're trying to build into the company. So, you know, some of that is how do we have processes at the leadership level where we're regularly auditing, what are our, our top line metrics, our North star metrics, and then how do each department choose certain metrics, you know, proxy metrics that ladder up into that. And then still making sure that my teams have enough agency that they can think about specific metrics that would ladder up well in the same direction as the North Star metric that we have at the top. So it's been a lot of planning and discussions about like what that should be at the leadership level. And now we're just starting to get into the point where we're looking at at the team level, how do we start to tie into the goals that we have uh, at the leadership level? Love it. Yeah, we do. I mean, I like the planning. I'm curious to see how that, what you guys, how you guys went through the planning sessions, like Lou sounded like you had this structured brainstorming with the team that was guided, um, maybe derived from some data. Zach, it sounded like, you know, you and the leadership team in a room, maybe a couple hours or what have you, you guys can refine what I'm, I'm proposing here. But, uh, for me, we have a very interesting way of approach it where we did this offsite, with the leadership team and, it was like a three-day intensive where we kind of just all hung out in the one Airbnb and just ate frozen pizzas and and, and whiteboarded. Um, so and maybe that's just the being a smaller startup. But like, how, how did that manifest with you guys? Was it structured? Was it um, was it kind of just like a spattering of thought and and mind mapping? And um, did you guys have yeah? Did it start with the goals, or is that what you kind of got out uh, as an outcome? Yeah. So for us, um, it was kind of a mix of bottoms up and kind of leadership down. And so leadership was talking about some of the really high-level business goals. And so then I went to my teams first on the product and design side and said, okay, what do we think are the most important things we can do based on kind of this North Star direction of what we're trying to build? And so my first pass was a conversation with my team, facilitating ideas that, you know, not just trying to set ideas at my level, but getting level ideas from, from various folks throughout my team. And then the other thing I did is I met with a couple of key stakeholders, like key leaders within the company one-on-one and kind of had just a, you know, a brain dump of a session where I got all of their thoughts on the next year, their concerns. And then I used that to put together a pitch for what our product strategy and goals might look like based on our company direction that I then presented to the entirety of the leadership team. And I think what worked really well about that is, you know, one, I engaged my team and got some of their ideas early on um, and they're closest to the work. So there's some important things we were able to catch by doing that. And the other important thing was uh, getting some buy-in from a couple of key company leaders ahead of time so that you don't have an audience of, you know, five or six leaders who aren't expecting what you have to present. And then maybe one or two people react not negatively, but there can be more friction or resistance and that can derail 
uh, a high stakes meeting. And so by getting some people in alignment ahead of time, it made the high stakes meeting go a lot more smoothly. I'd have to say like one part that I like to address, and I think it's the same approach I've taken. Kevin, I've heard you say it too, but the bottom up approach of getting the feedback and getting the buy-in from the people closest to the work on the strategy and letting it originate there is probably the most critical thing that you can do. And I say that just because product management. Yeah. Why? Yeah. What? what I, let's decompose that a little bit. Yeah. Well, keep I mean, going. Yeah. Look, product management is inherently uh, about, I, I would say, individuality. And in a way, people seek that creative opportunity. And when you come in with a top down strategy that came from SLT and you put on them the areas of focus that they're supposed to do. One, you're doing two things. One, you're robbing them of autonomy. And the second thing is you're hiding and you're forcing people to hide the very ideas and things that will actually drive the company forward. And it is very hard for, I think, a lot of leaders to do that because it requires that you step back and listen. And frankly, that's, that's the thing a lot of you know, many people struggle with. But I would say that's, that's the role. The inherent nature of the role is to be creative it's to be a problem solver. And if you go to a person like that with just your solutions and you don't give them that flexibility, you've destroyed a you've destroyed a team. And what does that make the individual employees if that goes wrong? Oh, it turns them into project managers. Love it. Great. <laughs> Solid. Let's we're good. All right, we solved it. No, I, I well, I think there's this inherent with strategy and vision and execution, growing, scaling a startup, and the, the intent is like, how do you bring what this project that you're building and, and grow a company around it? Like if you achieve product market fit and you, how do you get, how do you motivate? Like, how do you inspire these individuals to go solve this problem with you? And, and this sense of ownership, right? Versus the project versus product or, or the uh, uh, mercenary versus the missionary, right? Like, how do you actually... Um, create an environment where missionaries can thrive or create missionaries versus mercenaries burnout. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so I think what, what you said, Lou was really informative, but when people are, people are involved in making something together, they feel ownership. And so this bottoms up approach is you're enabling them to make something together, you know, have their creative juices flow all get oriented around this main goal that we're all heading towards. The alignment actually is the goal of strategy, is that alignment, right? And then this roadmap, the specific tactics to get there are the, the things that we get aligned around. And doing it in that way where you uh, um, let the bottoms up approach happen, right? Let them get their creative ideas out there and construct them together and then pitch and align is the way to achieve that ownership in the individual, right? Um, the, other, the other thing too that it does is it provides more meaning, right? Like in, I would say this in, in a way, not every company can be Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, or some of the, the companies that pay product managers just asinine rates, right? We all love that, but reality is it's not true. But the thing is, when you go to a company like that, you end up with a sliver, you end up with a small piece and sometimes you don't end up with much autonomy. And usually one of the values of being in a smaller company in a startup, et cetera, is that you're trading that security for 
ownership, creativity, autonomy, and all of the other values that you provide, including the potential risk reward, right, of how that company develops. And I think that's one of those things that if you take that away too early on, you're also just hurting career prospects and you're hurting the meaningfulness of the position. Yeah, I was, I was going to say something similar. Like you talked about individuality and you've talked about autonomy. I think something related is, is a, I think very similar to autonomy is a sense of agency. Um, the best product managers are able to take action and, and really own something. And that's where they have skin in the game because this is, some, this is their project that they're, they're leading, their ideas, their efforts are going into it, um, hopefully to see a result from that. And if you don't have that agency... You have people who are disengaged. They maybe aren't motivated by the mission. But you also, you know, if you've managed to hire any good talent, um, you don't grant agency. It's a great way for that talent to just eventually get tired and leave. And you'll you'll kind of if you've been at a place where people, where product managers, individual contributors have kind of that low agency, you'll you'll notice that slow bleed over time of talent. Um, so from a from a leadership perspective, it's important to keep that in mind. It's um, there's the feel good reasons for it. And there's also some really practical reasons is that you're not going to keep that talent if you don't offer that. Yeah. Well, why don't we just bring it up a little bit? Why do you think a lot of product work struggle to give autonomy? Yeah, I think I, I don't know if I think what you just said is important. How, why do you think product orgs? I, I don't know necessarily if it's a product org that, that struggles with that. I think it, it, it stems from leadership, right? It stems from the, the CEO. It stems from that leadership team of like how <clears throat> much um, control do they want over the outcome and what are their goals? I think what, for an example, if you have a strong visionary CEO, great thing to have, but is really um, stringent on what that vision should look like and, and, and how it should work. Um, what you then have is the rest of the team become executors or operators, right? Operators on the vision. Right. And so usually you don't have a product CPO at those companies. The C is effectively that, and then you have the engineer, uh, lead CTO, which would be the closer partnership with the CEO. And so the, those two kind of work synonymous. That's that partnership team to go and execute. Your head of product is somewhere in the organization under marketing or, or under um, uh, uh, engineering. What does that mean? It's not a product-led organization, right? It's, it's essentially, a, 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 I don't know if it's a sales-driven or feature-driven, probably feature-driven organization, right? That it's, it's you know, here's what I want to go do, now go do it, as opposed to here's where I want to go. How do we get there? Right. It's a little different. And so it, it, I think it starts at that top level and that organization you want to build to achieve that vision. And so I think it's, you know, what do you want to optimize towards this, this vision, this execution, this output, or do you want to optimize towards your people and this um, outcome you want to drive? Um, so I think it stems from that leadership. And I think that's what causes it. I don't know how to change that behavior. That is what, that is, I think, the curious conversation of mine. You know, sometimes I don't think it's that you actually need to change a lot of the behavior, but I think there is, there is a coaching element that I would give to other product managers in similar scenarios, right? So one of the things I think PMs assume autonomy means, and this is one lesson that I go, so there's two, there's two sides, right? There is the manager side. How do we ensure that the, the people working for us have autonomy? 
But then there's also the question of on the other side going, how do I as a PM function in this system where I can preserve my own individual autonomy, but still recognize, you know, what's going on. And so I often say that the coaching aspect, if I were going to coach one person is saying, okay, your CEO is interested in doing this. You have two choices. Apparently you can either try to resist it. And because you want your individual autonomy to decide, I do what my squad wants to do, or you can lean into it and you can use your autonomy to guide the course of that shifting river. And I think what a lot of people don't recognize is that there is autonomy in both. There's autonomy in being able to freeform create, and there's also autonomy in being able to lead and shape the conversation around you and your ability to detach yourself from that individual request and how the emotions are around it and pull yourself out and be able to look at it with an open mind Love that. and then realize my goal as a PM is to make sure that the best ideas get built. And when those best ideas come up, that they get built in the most efficient and the best way possible to drive the outcome we want. So why don't we play through a scenario? Cause I think we've all been in that situation before. Um, was there, what behaviors did you conduct after the initial request was made to then put yourself into that position. Yeah. Curious. I've, I've got a good story, but I'll, I'll let Zach chime in first. It might be a minute or two. Yeah. I, I, you know, this is definitely something that resonates. I, you know, I've had projects come up, you know, that are CEO or executive sponsored. Um, and I've, I've kind of seen them go two ways, both with myself and others. And sometimes there's kind of the, the natural groaning you feel inwardly as you're like, oh, not, not this again. Um, and I think there are certain points earlier in my career where you feel that resistance. You're like, well, no, no, don't they understand that this is what we need to go do? Um, and that's natural. And you may be right about certain pieces. Um, the thing I've started to learn is that, you know, even uh, autonomy can be a bit of a misnomer because you're not running a company like as a product manager, but you are responsible for outcomes for your team. You need to understand how that fits into the larger context. If you too quickly dismiss an executive idea as something that is just frustrating or misses the point or completely unrealistic, you're often missing some context, some information that they have from their vantage point that is really important for the business uh, that you should be factoring in, honestly, regardless of whether or not they brought you an idea. So if anything, it's a good opportunity. So I've found some of the later times this has happened in my career, I really take the time to understand the opportunities presented. Uh, Don't react in a frustrated or stressed way, like really take in and understand what they're telling you. Oh, this huge new project you now wanna do in the first half of next year, even though we just agreed on everything on the roadmap, let's understand why. And then you can take, take some time to like uh, internalize what the goals are, like kind of do the five stages of why or whatever that thing's called, where you really get it, like what they're, they're trying to drive. And then think about, is this really important to do that? Are there maybe other ways you can do it? Um, and then you can start to construct what is the best approach based on the team you have and the market and your users uh, based on what the CEO or the executive is trying to drive. And if you do that, you're going to see a lot more success than just immediately pushing back and saying, we don't have time for that right now. So it sounds like what you've done, uh, experienced in the past, Zach, is they've given you this uh, prescribed feature to go execute on. And your job in that moment is to extract 
you know, the intent, right? So what is the reasoning? What data got you to this decision? Help me understand so then I can feel that I'm also involved in making this concept an idea. And then I can shepherd that through to execution yeah. and, and, and realizing potential. And even in that process, potentially shape it in a way that satisfies both of our needs that we still do some critical product thought, but we also execute this. Um, exactly. And to bridge the gap between visionary and practicality, right? Mm-hmm. The CEO often has some visionary slant and that's really important. Um, your job is the product manager or the product leaders for you or your teams to make something real. And so they can have this amazing visionary concept the odds of that being real might be, it might take a lot of effort to get there. Mm-hmm. So your job is to think of how do I distill the intent of what they're asking and the the impact they really need us to have on the business and find a way that drives us in that direction, but is also practical based on the team, the technology, the, the tools we have. Lou, let's hear your story. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying too much about it. But we, we made an acquisition relatively recently and um, it had pretty big impact, you know, to, uh, to my team and, uh, you know, was involved in the earlier due diligence steps and, you know, as we were kind of looking at it and it was really, you know, it was a, it was a totally different approach, brand, like different approach that we would have. And, you know, the reality is that kind of, yeah, kind of like I said, there, there's a point where you can try to resist the change or you can look into it and say, what is it that's, that's trying to come down the line and, and get onto it. And in my case, I kind of took a step back one day after a due diligence session and just said, what are, you know, where could we go if we really did this? How could I embrace the change that's coming and how can I look at it and see how I can make the best use out of the tools that I'm given to build a great product. And all that's happened is that more tools were added to the tool belt and so with that, um, there's also a lot of anxiety and um, our team, you know, really trepidatious about it, what it would mean for them, what it would mean for the product, what it would mean for the architecture of the product. There was a lot. And in a really short period of time, kind of similar to Zach saying, you know, embrace the context that you don't have in the perspective of others. Second thing is, you know, check your own biases and realize that your goal is still to deliver a great product, even if you don't come up with the ideas or it doesn't go out in exactly the way that you want. And then <clears throat> last but not least is every time one of these things happens, you have two options. You can be a roadblock or you can be a leader. And to be a leader, that requires a different level of stepping up. And if I, you know, given the options, if I were to step back into it, it's like, I ask myself that same question. I can either sit here and, complain or do whatever, or be a roadblock to this, or I can show up and show up the way that people want me to show up, you know, want me to show up and display the skills that we have to make this a real reality. And that's what we did. And it involved, you know, coaching some people along. It involved, you know, making sure our teams were okay with it and really like making sure the, um, everything was coming together. And a lot of it was just, okay, let's take that idea and let's turn it into action plans and let's execute on it. And let's, follow it through and let's set the right expectations. And ultimately, like, you know, we shipped the product off uh, pretty recently and it's hopefully going to be launched pretty soon. I'll be incredibly excited about it. And like the whole team pulled the integration together in six weeks and feels really great about it now that we've, we've gone through that process. But, you know, that's what I say, like as a PM, you can either 
you know, commiserate and be at the roadblock or you can be the leader. And I'll say this one, definitely at first, there was a lot of gut checking I gave to myself. <laughs> yeah, I would that's, say, I mean, that's, yeah, that's hard to do. Yeah. I, I would say kind of the lesson that I'm hearing from Lou and that I've seen is, you know, your job is not to control the direction of the wind or the way the, the waves move, but your job is to steer and to try and make sure that you're, you're catching the, the right waves and the right winds behind your sails so that you can move in the right direction as quickly as possible. And so I think reframing that can really help you because earlier on, I don't know if this is everyone, but for me earlier on, I wanted to control things more was the inclination. And I think the more senior you get, the more experience you have, the more you realize how little anyone is in control of anything. And so, you know, make, make use of the leverage of the natural forces around you. Yeah. And I I think the other thing that uh, insightful out of that was the, you know, you as a product leader are, are an emotional barometer for your team, right? And so if you're feeling that, you know, I, I hate this idea or I'm going to, you know, and, and that will rub off in, in that, that the whole team will feel that uh, same way because they're, they're looking to you for this guidance and that, that leadership. So um, I love the analogies there. It was really great insight. Um, well, this conversation went in a lot of different paths, but uh, I I'm, I'm love how it turned out. Um, we're going to wrap up here. Um, we finished up our coffee. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, share out on LinkedIn. Um, we'd love to hear what topics you want us to cover. So uh, shoot us a note and uh, go level up. Mm-hmm.